Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number, 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, I want to begin with a, it shouldn't be a difficult topic, but for some people it will be. (laughs) So let's begin with Ibram Kendi. You know who Ibram Kendi is. He, he's the anti-racist, woke guy. Uh, Dr. Ibram Kendi, I'm sure he would want us to say. He's not a bright fellow. Now, I'm sure he'll accuse me of racism for pointing this out, but I've heard him talk multiple times. And one of the things that Kendi does is he uses a lot of word salads to cover up uh, his shallow thinking when it comes to race and racism in America. This is a man who, when asked to define what anti-racism was, used the word racism in the definition. And anyone who went to a third or fourth grade class tended to learn you don't define a word with the word unless you don't know what you're talking about. And that's Ibram Kendi, who yesterday, and I missed this until someone pointed it out this morning, pointed out, let me read you his tweet, uh, on President's Day, it is important to recall that at least 12 U.S. presidents enslaved black people, eight while in office, two-thirds of the first 18 presidents collectively enslaved nearly 2,000 black people. We know what largely built this nation, and it wasn't freedom. He lists, of course, Ulysses S. Grant, whose wife inherited a slave who Ulysses S. Grant set free, but, I mean, far be it for us to let history get in the way of storytelling. What is notable is that the bulk of slaves in the Western Hemisphere were not actually in North America, let alone the United States. In fact, the United States itself uh, prohibited the importation of slaves after about 1800 before the British stopped the uh, Atlantic slave trade. Most of the slaves in the Western Hemisphere were in the Caribbean and South America. Interestingly enough, the Caribbean and South America, where there were more slaves than in the North American continent, uh, did not progress economically like North America. So what set the slaves apart in North America from the slaves of Central and South America? But, 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 But wait, the Confederate States of America, wherein the slaves existed, did not progress economically the way the northern states did. The Confederacy did not progress economically the way the Union did. In fact, if you read the Confederate States of America Constitution, it was actually far more socialist in its orientation, collective ownership and property rights the like, than the uh, American Constitution, which supported private property, individual liberties, and rights. In fact you might be able to say that those areas of the Western Hemisphere that embraced free market capitalism like the Union, as opposed to the CSA or parts of Central and South America, progressed better. In fact, if we add on to this, uh, the American nation exceeded the British Empire in economic production in about 1913 when the British Empire controlled so much of the world, they literally said the sun never set on the British Empire. And a smaller United States of America began well after slavery was ended to surpass the economic output of the great British Empire that controlled many more people in many more places on planet Earth. Why do you think there wasn't slavery after slavery was banned? See, when you probe just a little bit, the argument from these people falls apart. 
the argument begins to collapse. But they have this mythology. They want us to believe that the greatness and wealth of the United States came from slave ownership when, in fact, only a portion of the North American continent had slaves, and those portions that had a vast greater amount of slaves actually performed far worse economically than the North American continent. And when you look at the North American continent, the place that exceeded growth expectations was the part that did not have slaves. If anything, slaves were a drag on the economy, and the South would have ultimately probably had to get rid of them anyway. Again, it's worth noting the bulk of slaves in the Western Hemisphere were not in the North American continent. They were in Central America and South America. Not only that, of the North American continent, they were almost exclusively in southern states. The southern states, when they broke away, had a far more socialist uh, constitution without all the private property guarantees and the like of the northern states under the American Constitution. The American Constitution guaranteeing private property rights, contract rights and the like actually surpassed the southern states economically. The free states without slaves performed better and when the United States got rid of slavery altogether, it began to rev up its economy and by 1913 had surpassed the great British Empire, the greatest empire the world has ever known and did so without slavery. Slaves. You would never know that from reading Ibram Kendi. Why? Because he has an anti-American mythology. He doesn't like the United States. He sees the United States and its capitalist worldview, its free market worldview, as a bad in the world. He wants a United States that is more collectivist. He wants a United States that is more socialist. On the opposite side of the coin... There's an adulteress in Georgia who cheated on her husband multiple times to the point they're now getting a divorce, and she's come all out for a great divorce. She and Ibram Kendi are two sides of the same coin. She has as much loathing for the United States as he does. The difference is she's a Republican member of Congress named Marjorie Taylor Greene. I don't know why anyone should pay attention to a multiple adulteress who's getting a divorce, who's no more committed to her family than she is to her nation, but we have to because she wrapped her arms around Kevin McCarthy and has some position of authority within the Republican House delegation when she should have none because she's no better than the Ibram Kendi's and the Nicole Hannah Joneses of the world or whatever that woman's name is from the 1619 Project. Marjorie Taylor Greene tweeted yesterday that we need a great national divorce in this country. She says, and this is her tweet, we need a national divorce. We need to separate by red states and blue states and shrink the federal government. Everyone I talk to says this. From the sick and disgusting woke culture issues shoved down our throats to the Democrats' traitorous America last policies, we are done. Really? The woman who wants to break up the United States is calling the Democrats traitorous? Really? She's no better than the people on the left who want to break up this country because they think we're not collectivist and woke enough. Two sides of the same coin. 
She's decided like they have that she doesn't need to know anything about people who disagree with her. She doesn't need to know about the rest of the country, and she doesn't need to try to find common ground with those people. It's no different from them. It's no different from the Ibram Kendis of the world who believe that every white person is a racist unless they bend over backwards to give him what he wants. He doesn't have any time to get outside his preconceived notions and beliefs any more than Marjorie Taylor Greene did. I presume, though, he's more faithful to his family than her. Neither of them very faithful to their nation. He, of course, says he wants a greater United States. She says she no longer wants the United States. Here's the problem for us on our side is we just went through the 2022 midterm elections where the American people said they would rather stay with the Democrats than go with crazy Republicans. Everywhere that Republicans were not crazy, they won. Everywhere they were crazy, the Democrats were able to hold on to power, including in Marjorie Taylor Greene's own state, where the non-crazy Republicans won and Herschel Walker lost, where the non-Donald Trump candidates won and the Donald Trump candidates lost. Where would Georgia fit in in Marjorie Taylor Greene's scheme? Probably not on her side. She lacks any sort of self-awareness on this stuff. The problem with Marjorie Taylor Greene, very much like Ibram Kendi, she doesn't need power. Ibram Kendi profits off white guilt. Marjorie Taylor Greene profits off Republican crazies. She doesn't need to be in the majority. At least Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhan Omar, and Rashida Tlaib in the squad recognize they've got to be in the majority if they want to pass their Green New Deal. They've got to have some leadership role if they want to get their agenda accomplished. Marjorie Taylor Greene's agenda is herself, her own brand, her ability to fundraise. She doesn't have to be in the majority for that. So she can drag down the whole Republican Party with her bat crap crazy talk about a national divorce, have the president go out and attack Republicans as being the party of Marjorie Taylor Greene, have a lot of independents and a good number of Republicans agree with him on that because of her prominence around Kevin McCarthy's neck and have the Democrats maintain control. Do you want the Democrats to win? If not, you need to get Marjorie Taylor Greene to shut the hell up up and know her place, which is on a back bench somewhere where no one has to see her and she can go screw around with other people at different gyms without bothering the nation and dragging us all down. Y'all, if you love your country, you should be outraged about this. And here's the problem for those of you who agree with Marjorie Taylor Greene and a great national divorce. You, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, have insulated and isolated yourself from America. Most Americans do not hate each other. Most Americans actually are tired of the woke stuff. And if you bother to listen to the voters in November, if you paid attention to the exit polling of what the voters actually wanted, the very reliable polling where they asked the actual voters who actually voted what they believe, what you would find is the voters are tired of the woke BS. They are tired of the Ibram Kendis of the world. They're tired of the 1619 revisionism. They're tired of the transgender advocates out there trying to silence everybody. They're all tired of that. But they're 
They're scared of what they will get when you put Marjorie Taylor Greene in a leadership position. They're scared of the Carrie Lakes of the world. They're scared of the Donald Trumps of the world. They don't want to start World War III any more than they want to break up the country. And they're pretty convinced these people will have at it in the destruction of the country. When you have a Marjorie Taylor Greene on the stage saying, we need to break up the country, and you've got Donald Trump and Kevin McCarthy putting her on a stage, guess what? For a lot of people who don't pay a lot of attention to anything outside the visuals, the visual is, oh my God, they put on the stage someone who wants to break up the country. They're a bunch of Confederates. The Republicans can and should win in 2024. Joe Biden is less popular than Donald Trump and Kamala Harris is far less popular than him. But the Republicans aren't going to win by embracing someone who wants a national divorce any more than the Democrats are going to win by embracing the woke nonsense of the radical left. The party that is less crazy is going to win. And right now, when you have Marjorie Taylor Greene calling for a national divorce and the Republicans are putting her on the front stage with Kevin McCarthy, it looks like the Republican Party has lost its damn mind. We can and should win. But no voter can be blamed for rejecting a party that seems to hate the United States. Nobody can be blamed for rejecting a party that wants to break up the nation most of them actually still like. Little Eric Swalwell might have possibly, though everybody denies it, but he might have possibly done the bang-bang with Thang-Fang. Marjorie actually banged multiple Jim Bros, now wants the nation to join her in getting a national divorce, something Eric Swalwell doesn't. He kept his family together, not Marjorie Taylor Greene. She doesn't want to keep her nation together. Why should any of us listen to this woman? She should be ashamed for what she said, but she's not. She has no sense of shame because she gets to fundraise all this. Oh, my gosh, they're attacking me for calling for a national divorce. The only thing the Republican Party should do is divorce itself from her nonsense. If you own a small to medium-sized business that kept employees on payroll through COVID, you may have a big cash refund waiting for you. The Employee Retention Credit is a tax credit of up to $26,000 per employee, and now more businesses than ever qualify. The experts at RefundsPro.com specialize in cutting through the red tape of qualifying for this government program. Most of their refunds are over $100,000. Even businesses that have received PPP funds may be eligible, and there are absolutely no fees unless you receive a refund. There's no reason not to apply. If your business experienced shutdowns, limited capacity, supply chain challenges, or even reduced revenue due to COVID, you likely qualify. RefundsPro.com has already helped hundreds of businesses, so don't lose the refund you're owed by missing the deadline. Get started today with a free five-minute questionnaire at Refunds with an S, RefundsPro.com. That's Refunds with an S, Pro.com. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be with me, you can always text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. You can get the podcast, the live stream, the show notes, all that great stuff by texting just E-R-I-C-K to 33777. Christy Nome is headed to Washington, D.C. She is the governor of South Dakota. 
and she is considering running for president of the United States. It appears the bulwark, or not the bulwark, I'm sorry, uh, the dispatch. Uh, I was just looking at something at the bulwark. Um, you know, those bulwark guys. I, I've got several friends who, who write there, uh, but they really seem to want Donald Trump. It is remarkable. I, I saw somebody lead me to a link over there. Um, noting that the most radical never-Trumpers seem to be Donald Trump consultants with the rise of Ron DeSantis. They are so desperate to stop any alternative to Donald Trump, claiming Trump is some sort of existential threat. They want to stop anyone who could possibly beat Donald Trump in the Republican primary. Funny how that works. But the dispatch, they're talking about Christy Nome. She's gone to Washington, D.C., uh, let me just read you part of this. Like the rest of the likely GOP contenders, Noam has been coy for months about whether she intends to seek the top job. I, I'm not convinced I need to run for president, she told CBS last month, and declined to elaborate to the dispatch last week. We'll keep watching it. But she's recently made a series of moves to raise her national profile ahead of next year's primaries, running nationwide ads designed to trumpet her conservative credentials, making trips to neighboring Iowa, and last week giving speeches at three right-leaning institutes in Washington, D.C. Her schedule in D.C. suggested Noam would aim to find support across the GOP's splintered and discordant voting base. On Wednesday, she spoke to the Trump-friendly America First Policy Institute focusing on China. She highlighted her efforts to block Chinese investors from purchasing South Dakota land and her ban on Chinese social media app TikTok. On Wednesday, she spoke to the Libertarian Cato Institute. On Friday, she delivered remarks at a forum hosted by the Calvin Coolidge Memorial Foundation on the 100th anniversary of the greatest president of all time taking office. The last president to actually shrink the size of the federal government, she said. Um, uh, this is intriguing. You know, the criticism from conservatives in D.C. about Noam was that she was a pretty establishmentarian Republican member of Congress. She pretty much did what leadership wanted. She never picked a fight. Some of the uh, Republican Study Committee, then House Freedom Caucus members, felt like she let them down. Uh, when she was governor of South Dakota, she, over the last couple of years, has started picking culturally conservative fights and even criticizing DeSantis for things she thinks he hasn't been uh, conservative enough on. Uh, it's interesting navigation there. She does have a great record of how she handled COVID, a very laissez-faire approach to um, COVID. She was the only state to never shut down the state. So she's got a way forward. Just I just recall some of the, the conservative guys in D.C. complaining about her time in Congress and wondering if this is for show. If she can convince them she's authentic, I mean, obviously, she can run if, if she can raise the money to do it, but she may be able to woo some of them over. It's a very interesting dynamic. I guess we're going to have to reach out and get her on stage at the at the gathering in August. It looks like she's going to make a run for president. The, the question becomes, how crowded does the GOP field get? Uh, Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, I'm going to talk about him in the next hour, uh, looks more and more like he wants to run for president of the United States. And... Uh, that raises all sorts of questions. And, and if you get Sununu in and you get Larry Hogan in, you get DeSantis in, Tim Scott in, pretty soon you're talking about a pretty crowded field for the GOP. And then what do the donors do? Um, they're asking lots of questions. We'll get to that as well. When we come back, however, we got to talk about Ukraine. Y'all, I want to be real honest with you. Uh, I have looked, because you have asked me to look, for a reputable gold company 
that can give you advice and answer your questions that's not gimmicky. Like, for example, some of them do certificates, and some of them they try to rope you in with other stuff. You are interested in precious metals for your retirement savings uh, to ease the ebbs and flows of inflation and wild swings in the stock market. Advantage Gold. Advantage Gold. That's who you want to call. Uh, Advantage Gold, I have looked into them. I have had them answer my questions And it is not one of these gimmicky places. There aren't tricks. They really just want you to have a great experience learning how to be a gold investor. Give them a call, 800-450-2566, 800-450-2566. Tell them I sent you. You can get their free gold and IRA investment kit, but call them if you got questions. They're good people, 800-450-2566. Hello there, America. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. I want to talk to you about Ukraine. Uh, I, I won't criticize Joe Biden visiting Ukraine other than to say it, it could have happened sooner when other world leaders were going there. Um, but he finally went, and I think it is a good thing uh, when the president of the United States, and he is our president, whether you like him or not, he showed up in Kiev uh, to encourage them and boost their morale. I support the war effort in Ukraine. Uh, there's a conservative host who will go nameless who was on a podcast claiming how Uh, Americans want his son to go fight and die in the fields of Ukraine against the Russians. Uh, That's um, blitheringly insane nonsense. The whole reason I support the Ukraine war effort is because I don't want our sons and daughters to fight the Russians. When I was a kid... There was a a thing, it was, uh, the phrase was coined by Winston Churchill in a speech in Missouri, uh, an iron curtain descending across Europe. There was a divide between Eastern and Western Europe. The territories the Soviets had uh, invaded and recaptured from the Nazis were under Soviet control. And a lot of countries existed uh, in name but were behind the scenes run by the Soviets. Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, at the time Czechoslovakia, Hungary, Romania, Bulgaria, Yugoslavia. And then, of course, there were the Russian territories that were part of the USSR. Uh, Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia were were part of the USSR for a time. Ukraine, Moldova, Georgia, Armenia, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, Turkmenistan, uh, Azerbaijan. um, These were all parts of the Soviet state. Tajikistan. And the Soviet Union was a ruthless regime. It was an atheist regime. It was a horrible place to live. There are a lot of people who want to revise the Soviet Union, Bernie Sanders being included among them, who tend to claim it wasn't that bad. Bernie Sanders took his honeymoon to the Soviet Union. He was a propagandist and apologist for the Soviets. 
Bernie Sanders claimed it was a good thing that there were bread lines because at least people weren't going hungry, which is nonsense. There were lots of people who were starving in the Soviet Union. There were bread lines because they had no plenty in the Soviet Union. Soviets who would come to the United States or Western Europe and see Western grocery stores were amazed. The Soviet Union maintained a sphere of influence into Eastern Europe, and it was one that for a time the Russian Empire had also had. The Russian Empire had spheres of influence. Crimea in Ukraine used to be a hard-fought, hard-won territory of the Russian Empire. Ukraine itself was essentially the slave state of the Russian Empire and then the Soviet Union. They were their own people with their own identity. And the Russians and then the Soviets ruthlessly tried to stamp out that identity. And the Ukrainian identity remained. The Ukrainian language prevailed. For so long, we in the West said Kiev, and that was the Russian pronunciation for the capital of Ukraine. The Ukrainians said Kiev, and much of the West has gone back to saying Kiev in recognition of Ukrainian sovereignty. The reason I have supported the war in Ukraine and the war effort there is because at some point, if the Russians are emboldened in Ukraine, they're going to be emboldened to spread further across the former Soviet sphere, the former Russian Empire sphere. They're going to be emboldened to try to take back and control through force or through subversion territories. There's a report out today, in fact, that the Russians have plans to take over Belarus. Belarus has been a client state of Vladimir Putin's. Belarus is run by a strong man who is there and allowed to be there because of Vladimir Putin. And the Russians want to thoroughly reintegrate it into Russia. They want to thoroughly reintegrate Ukraine into Russia. They would like to thoroughly integrate Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania back into Russia. And if you know Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania, these are proud countries. In fact, much of the territory controlled by Russia in the east all the way to Moscow used to be part of the kingdom of Lithuania, which receded over time. The Lithuanians are a very proud and wonderful people. Estonia is probably the most free market country on planet Earth. Latvia as well. Strongly free market. These people had a very hard time fleeing the Nazis. I know multiple people who had to flee Latvia because of the uh, because of the Nazis. And then the Soviets took over and they could not go home. These were proud nations. Poland, of course, has a terrible, terrible, sad history of being conquered and broken up by surrounding neighbors from Germany and the Austro-Hungarian Empire and Russia itself. And the Poles now stand free and for freedom. And the Russians ruthlessly covet integrating themselves back into Poland and into Hungary and into Romania, into Moldova. The Russians may be launching a coup in Moldova right now. The Russians want a major sphere of influence, and these nations are our allies and our friends. These nations rejected the Soviets and embraced Western democracy and American values. These nations looked to the Statue of Liberty, they looked to Ronald Reagan, and they hoisted the American flag in their rebellions against Soviet communist control. And we should stand with them because they don't want to be us, they want to be with us. They do not want to immigrate to us, they just want our values there. They want our freedom, they want the free market, they want the American flag as a symbol of freedom and liberty, and we should encourage countries that want that to be able to stand up on their own. And the Russians are threatened by that. 
For a long time, there was a theory prevalent on the right that the Russians should be integrated into the West. Vladimir Putin chose not to be. There is a level of revisionist history on the right no better than the revisionist histories of Nicole Anna Jones and Ibram Kendi on the left that comes to, well, we overstretched NATO. We tried to offer Ukraine into NATO, and that threatened the Russians, and we're to blame for the Russians. The blame America first crowd should die on the ash heap of history. And yet it has now reared its head on the right. The idea that we considered expanding NATO to Ukraine, which we rejected, by the way, should not be the provocation for the Russians going into Ukraine because we rejected the idea of Ukraine joining NATO and are only now reconsidering it because of this war. Moscow wants a sphere of influence, and the problem is we are allies with a number of the countries into which Moscow wants its sphere of influence. And I agree with the thinking of many that if they are emboldened and can take Ukraine, they will start moving into other territories and eventually it will come to conflict with us. And I would rather fund the Ukrainians and let the Ukrainians kill the Russians than let your sons and my son be the ones who have to go stop the Russians. I would rather fund a proxy war. It's what we did in the Cold War. Around the world, Ronald Reagan funded proxy wars with the Soviet Union, and we stopped Soviet incursions into our spheres of influence. It was good then. It's good now. It is a good tactic. It's a good strategy. It keeps our sons and daughters from dying. Your sons and daughters will eventually go to war with Russia if we don't stop Russia now. And if we don't stop Russia now, we will go to war with Russia and China together, and they will be formidable. Funding Ukraine is about us not going to war. And the people on the the right who say, oh, we're going to go to war with Russia are totally missing the ball on this because they're trying to scare you out of funding Ukraine in large part because of their isolationist tendencies. And as a student of history, I look at us isolated. And every time the United States isolates itself, the world goes to war. The world does not go to war when the United States stands astride the nation, the globe, saying we are the leader of the free world. The world does not go to war when the United States exercises its authority as the last best hope of mankind. But I have to tell you something. I'm getting a little damn tired of the people who support Ukraine saying, if you don't, you're a tool of the Russians. If you don't, you support China. If you don't, you support the Russians. We have to give them blank checks. Why the hell do we have to give Ukraine a blank check? I support funding the war in Ukraine. But the idea that you can't write a blank check to the people of East Palestine, Ohio, but you can to Ukraine is kind of crap. The idea that we have to give Ukraine everything it wants, but we can't give the people of of East Palestine, Ohio, what they want is kind of nonsense. The idea that we have to fund the pensions of the Ukrainians and we can't actually fund Social Security in this country, we just borrow from it until it goes bankrupt is kind of nonsense. I think we should help Ukraine, but that help should come with a cost-benefit analysis. That help should come with some restraint. We should not be writing blank checks. And the people out there who are the teetotalers on this, uh, who are like, you either support them and give them everything they want or you're with the Russians, that's not helpful. That actually undermines your case because that suggests a level of, of ideology as opposed to a level of reason that suggests a a, a level of cult-like behavior 
and not a call to arms to defend Ukraine and actually prevent us from having to go into a direct war with Russia. I think we should be there. I, I think we should be giving them their arms. I think we should be giving them money that they can buy our weapons, creating jobs in Alabama at the weapons manufacturers. But the idea, we give them a blank check. The idea that Ron DeSantis coming out yesterday saying we can't be writing blank checks is somehow anathema to the war effort is kind of nuts. We can't write blank checks to a foreign country. But I think we should support them if we can, and we should. This all-in or all-out stuff is just driving me crazy on both sides. There's got to be some nuance to the conversation. There's got to be some restraint in the conversation. I think it is in our national interests to help the Ukrainians kill these Russian soldiers who have invaded their country. After all, Russia invaded Ukraine, but it's also deeply unhelpful to have Ukrainian ministers saying, we're going to drive our tanks that we've just given them to Red Square. That's not helpful either. They undermine their own side. Where is the restraint at this point? It makes a lot of sense to me from a national security perspective, to be doing what we're doing. And you know what we found out? The weapons we built during the Cold War to stop the Soviets and then to restrain the Russians, they actually work really freaking good. I said freaking. They work great. They do what we designed them to do. In the real-world tests, we've deployed them in Ukraine, and they're masterful. They are head and shoulders above what the Russians have offered, something that we theorized but did not know, and now we know. And now we can refine those weapon systems, and we even get to test them against the Chinese weapon systems that are slowly going into Ukraine. We get to use Ukraine as an experimental battlefield for our next generation of technology. That's a good thing. When we were fighting ISIS in the mountains of Kraplakistan, we didn't need these weapons. Now we do, and they work beautifully. But we can't write blank checks. And we shouldn't insult the people who disagree with us. We should restrain the hysterical nonsense about our sons dying in the fields of, of Ukraine, which isn't true. But we should also recognize people do have reservations about all the money we're sending to Ukraine, particularly when Joe Biden doesn't want to send money to East Palestine, Ohio, dealing with the rail disaster. we got to recognize those things. But I wish those who are opposed to helping Ukraine would see the larger picture here. The Russians and the Chinese are beginning to build a relationship to rival us. Us using Ukraine as a proxy to whittle down and harm the Russians who want to harm us is actually a smart play for our national security. It's also really, really likely that if we don't restrain Vladimir Putin there, he will eventually begin to encroach upon the territories of our allies, whether surreptitiously through rigging elections or through military attack. And either way, we're going to have to confront the threat if we don't confront it in Ukraine. This is not something that's going away. And I would rather not have your son and my son and your daughter and my daughter fighting the Russians when the Ukrainians are very willing to fight them for us. 
The Eden Pure Thunderstorm 3-pack is back on, and you can take advantage of it at EdenPureDeals.com. Someone last night emailed and said, what is this website? What is this website? You know, the Garden of Eden, E-D-E-N, Eden, Pure, P-U-R-E, Eden, Pure Deals, D-E-A-L-S.com, EdenPureDeals.com. You go to EdenPureDeals.com, and you'll be greeted with a discount code box on the front page of the site, and you put in Eric, my name, E-R-I-C-K. Put that in, and you get the Eden Pure 3-pack for less than $200. So you get three of these, one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your basement or your RV, your travel bag, wherever you need it, three of them for less than $200, and you get free shipping. What is it? It is an air purifier. It gets rid of the pollen and the dust floating in the air, but more magically, it eliminates odors. So someone's been smoking in your car. You fire up the Eden Pure Thunderstorm, it wipes out those odors. Someone's been painting a room in your house. You fire up the Eden Pure Thunderstorm, it wipes out those odors. Your litter box stinks. Fire up the Eden Pure Thunderstorm, it wipes out those odors. You've gone to a hotel room and it smells bad. Fire up the Eden Pure Thunderstorm, it takes out those odors. I keep one in my travel bag just for that. You can plug it into the wall or into a USB connection in your car. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is just my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Three of them for less than $200, EdenPureDeals.com. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Don't forget to subscribe to the daily email. Text your uh, text data to 33777. Text data to 33777. You should know that while we are here talking, uh, the adulteress from Georgia the Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene is is on Twitter talking about how much she knows about irreconcilable differences. I guess it's fresh on her mind, given the state of her marriage, given what she did. Uh, and she wants the whole nation to break apart now, projecting her personal life onto the country. Kind of sad, maybe therapeutic for her, for the rest of us. It's nonsense and shame on her for trying to engage in that level of next level nonsense. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe instead of posturing online and performing for the crowd. You actually get out and meet people who disagree with you. You realize very few people actually want to break up the country. There are a lot of people driven uh, frenzy because they, they, they're uh, addicted to the worry cycle in the news. They're driven to a frenzy. They're driven to irrational uh, fear of the other side because the news channels you watch. I mean, this kind of gets to, uh, the, the the Dominion case with Fox News where none of the people behind the scenes believed the stuff that Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani were selling, but they were so scared of losing their audience to Newsmax, they decided they had to humor that crowd. And now they're probably going to lose a major case to Dominion, and Newsmax and OAN probably going to go out of business for selling people a bunch of lies instead of telling them the truth because they, they wanted to hear the lies, wanted to believe the lies, Instead of believing the truth, sometimes you got to tell people the truth and let the chips fall. But nope, 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 can't do that. All right, look, we got to move on. When we come back, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is melting down over the nation and needing a divorce. The left is melting down over Nikki Haley. They do not understand how to handle Nikki Haley and cannot come off without sounding like the misogynists they claim only the right has and the racists. They claim on their right has. Good Lord, the people on MSNBC are positively unhinged about Nikki Haley. And interestingly enough, some reporters went down to South Carolina and to Iowa where Haley was campaigning, and they encountered a whole lot of Trump supporters who they're maybe not sold on Haley per se, but they're ready to move on to someone new beyond Trump. And 
that's giving the Trump team a little bit of concern that so many of their longtime supporters are showing up at these Nikki Haley events saying, maybe not her, but it's time for someone new.